Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined, as always, by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast, as I typically say when you can probably tell the audio is a little bit off with the podcast. It's because something special is going on, and the special situation we got going on is Thor Nystrom with NBC Sports Edge. Thor, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Good to join you, boys. So Thor is the resident uh, NFL draft expert, not just in the draft in general, but even more so on knowing the prospects. So we're going to have a little bit more of a Big Ten focus. Obviously, that's what we do here on the Eyes on Big Pod. Uh, So we're going to have a Big Ten focus chat about the NFL draft. Um, and then uh, plug yourself quick, Thor. Uh, uh, your articles are, you know, you, it's not just to know the prospects, which obviously is huge. You have to have a readable article. Otherwise, you know, you could have great information. If it's not, if it doesn't flow when a person's reading it, they're not going to click back. And I, and I can assure you, I think your your articles are, are awesome to read. Just want to give you props for that. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, it's it's a what would you call it? A labor of love. You know, I, I've been obsessed with both college football, but also the NFL draft ever since I was a kid. So it's a real pleasure for me to get to jump in and do all that work. Awesome. So any of our listeners that aren't following Thor already, uh, find them on uh, Twitter. Uh, do you want to give your Twitter handle real quick, Thor? Thor, Thor KU or Thorku, as I'm yeah. colloquially known. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So find Thor on Twitter. He's a great follow for pretty much any Big Ten fan. So without any more delay, let's get into kind of the uh, conversation. So first things first, what stands out negative or positive about the whole uh, uh, 2022 draft class that's maybe different from past draft classes? In comparison to the past couple, it's it's a little bit weaker at the top in terms of the skill guys. You know, this class is more of an infrastructure draft. It's stacked at the edge. Really good talent, interior defensive line. I like the offensive line class, both the tackle and inside. Um, those are the position. If you need one of those positions, an infrastructure position, this is a nice draft to build that with. So pretty much O-line front seven on defense or even just more so D-line specifically. Well, the, the edge class is in particularly stacked. But yeah, I, I would say all those, you know, all the infrastructure positions there, this class is deeper than a typical class. Whereas, you know, you guys know at quarterback, it's it's not quite as, as top heavy or qualitatively in, in the first couple of rounds as it has been these past couple of years. Running back, you could argue that's not as, as you know, depending on the way that you see uh, Kenny Walker, I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit, yep. and Brees Hall. But it's, a, you know, maybe that's not quite as, uh, strong of a class we've seen recently, you know, like last year, Najee Harris and Javante Williams, stuff like that. I'm not sure that I put, you know, one of these guys on that level. Yeah, I figured we'd, we'd touch on the quarterback uh, thing. Um, I don't know. I just my personal tr- thought process is I think Kenny Pickett would be like a second or maybe even third rounder in most uh, NFL drafts. Uh, and then. Uh, Willis, uh, Liberty from Liberty, right? Um, How do you, he's, he's very intriguing. Where do you come out on him? So I, I love Willis. If if you combine the last two quarterback classes, I would have him behind only Trevor Lawrence. I I, I like his tools more than for instance, Justin Fields and Trey Lance. Trey Lance is probably the most analogous guy to him, but Willis is more athletic. He's a better runner, breaks way more tackles. In fact, Malik Willis led the nation in broken tackles last year, even ahead of Kenny Walker on like, you know, 200 less rushing attempts. 
Um, and then he can push, he has a better arm than Lance as well. He can push it, you know, 70 plus yards. But I, I think those guys are, are, are kind of comparable, but I, I would put Malik Willis above those two guys. Wow. You're high on Malik Willis. That is interesting. Yeah. But I, dude, I'm with you on Kenny Pickett. You know, I, I like the, the rest of the, the quarterbacks in the class, you know, I'm, I'm pretty pessimistic on Kenny Pickett. I'll probably have a round two grade on, uh, he's my quarterback four. I, I got Ritter three um, and Matt Corral two. I think Matt Corral is the only other quarterback in this class where if he hits his ceiling, he's going to be a top 10 starter in the NFL. I, I don't think you can say that about Desmond Ritter. Ritter reminds me a lot of Marcus Mariota. I call him mainland Mariota. Same frame, <laughs> same athletic profile. They tested just about the same. I think we more people would see those guys as analogous if they had played in analogous college systems. Obviously, Mariota was coming out of the breakneck system under Kelly and Helfrich. And then Ritter was in more of a risk averse, you know, type offense with with Luke Fickle. But those guys remind me a lot of each other. And I think that Ritter is going to have kind of a career like that. And then, again, Kenny Pickett, I I think in a normal year, yes, he would be a second round pick. And just as usual, we say this, you know, every year and teams will stretch and reach to go get a quarterback because that's what they do every single year. So I'm, I'm sure this year, maybe not as bad, but it won't be completely different. A, a thousand percent. Well, I think the reaching for quarterbacks this year, I mean, outside of Malik Willis, of course, because I, I love Malik Willis and, and Corral to, to a lesser extent, but the rest of them, yes, they're going to get pulled way up the board. Kenny Pickett might get pulled all the way up to six. You know, I mean, he, he was formerly committed to Matt Rule to play at Temple before Rule left for Baylor. And then obviously Pickett ended up flipping, but he could go there. Uh, Desmond Ritter, a lot of people have talked about him potentially going 20 to the Steelers. And if he doesn't go there, he could go, let's say, 32 to the Lions if they don't take a quarterback at two. So he's got a decent shot to go in the first round as well, where in a normal year, I think he would be he would also be a round two pick. OK, moving on to the next question. What is your favorite Big Ten player in this class relative to his talent or where he's projected? Um, I would say in terms of uh, in terms of the upside, I, I would probably say Boye Mafe, you know, because you're going to be able to get him late first round or early second round. And edge is one of the positions in the NFL where it is highly dependent and predicated on your athletic ability. You know, I mean, that's you know, some people are going to view him as a reach wherever he goes, you know, because he didn't have the the the, the body of work in, in the Big Ten. But you started to see his physical skills coalescing at the end of his time at Minnesota. Obviously, when he went there, he was a project. He was just an athlete. They had to build him up to a football player. You're starting to see more of the, the combination of his athletic traits with with you know sort of polished skill on the field his first step off the line is insane and he can take the outside shoulder of offensive tackles at will when he's on but when he's not timing up the snap and when he doesn't have his base under him he can start playing on skates a little bit it's what i saw down in mobile at the senior bowl the first day of practice as he was getting blocked by everyone he couldn't do anything you know he's sort of like a uh, a baby deer on ice sort of was the way he was kind of playing but the next two days on wednesday and thursday no one could block boy him off it literally unblockable oh. nobody want no nobody wanted to take him so that was kind of like his college film as well once once the whole thing coalesces in the nfl if that light does turn on watch out because he could be a perennial pro bowler but do you think and, and before i say this this one trick is a hell of a trick which is pass rushing skills yep. but is he kind of a one trick pony pony defensive end in that you know, it, it just seemed like he struggled to hold up uh, uh, against the run. And it kind of says it kind of seems like that's what you're saying, too. 
1,000%. Yeah. I mean, to start out, he would just be a designated pass rusher, you know, and you're hoping to build him up over the next couple of years in that regard. But the pass rushing is going to play right away, and this has become a passing league. All right, then let's go maybe kind of on the other side. What big player do you maybe have concerns with uh, in relative terms to where they're being projected to, to get drafted? If I don't want to, I don't want to crap on Garrett Wilson because I, I like Garrett Wilson a lot, but I've heard talk that Garrett Wilson could go number eight, you know, or, or number, you know, so, somewhere in there in the top 10. I, I don't see him as a, a top 10 guy. In fact, I, I like Chris Olave a bit more than I like Garrett Wilson, but I mean, Garrett Wilson, you, you have heard steam that he could potentially be the wide receiver one. So do you think to me, I, I don't disagree with anything you just said comparing Olave to Garrett Wilson. Is it maybe a situation where I feel like Olave could fit in literally any offense in the NFL, whereas with Garrett Wilson, a little bit more of a slot gadget guy that, that the right offensive mind needs to take advantage of. That's a thousand percent. Yeah. I, the, the way that I describe it is Olave is the guy that you want before the catch and, and up to when the ball gets there. Wilson, the, 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 the one thing that he has over Olave, it's running with the ball after he's got it. Olave doesn't break tackles. Garrett Wilson does. But yes, the, the, the issue is Olave, he's always open. And if you get the ball in his vicinity when he's giving you a window, he's catching the ball, period. Uh, Garrett Wilson, it's you have to manufacture the touches for him a little bit more. Wasn't as diverse of a, a route tree. You, you have to find a way to get him the ball. That's when he can become special. But Olave, he naturally provides that for his quarterbacks in a way that Wilson does not. Gotcha. Great. Okay, next question. What about a super late draft pick or maybe even a free agent guy that's flying completely under the radar, not in mock drafts, maybe even didn't test that well, but that you like projecting to the NFL. Are, are we going, are we going the Big whole ten. nation? Big ten. Big ten. Okay. Big ten. One guy, one guy I would say is Doug Kramer from Illinois. Didn't get a combine invite. I could absolutely see him hanging around. He's been productive in, in the Big Ten for a while. I, I think if he'd gone to one of the bigger Big Ten schools, maybe he would be viewed a little bit more positively. But he tested pretty well in the pre-draft process. I, I could absolutely see him hanging. But he a little bit on the smaller side, 6'2", 299. Um, but I, I do think he could hang around in the NFL in a, in a, in a zone-blocking system. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> – you always just wonder with O-line on how certain guys get wind up getting ranked so high. Like there's better statistics to look at uh, for, for skill position defenders. A lot of time O-line. I mean, it is, it is purely film that you're looking at. And it just seems to me like I would love to break it down more with somebody like you on, on why certain offensive linemen that like Doug Kramer that I thought was extremely productive at Illinois, why he seems to be so low and other guys are, are so high. It's, it's finicky to me. Well, I love the answer obviously, but Doug was very under-recruited guy. Um, barely even caught on at Illinois. He was going to be a gray shirt. I'm pretty sure. And then Lovey came in, said he liked him. So now I want to put you on scholarship, but then took him a while to build up, even though he was playing a lot, he had some weakness, literal weaknesses. That, that was his weakness. He wasn't that strong, but he developed that. I wonder how, I guess my concern was he's got to take another leap in strength going to the NFL. A thousand percent. Yeah. I mean, he could use 10 to 15 more pounds of muscle for sure. That's the impediment there, right? It's, it's the play strength thing. And you hope that it can be mitigated both by adding a little bit more strength in the weight room and also being in a zone blocking system. He's not really a fit for the downhill stuff. You know, I know that they were super run heavy under Bielema and stuff like that, but 
Um, I, I would like him in his own blocking system. He's probably going to have to maybe start out on the practice squad, you know, and then, you know, but maybe he can win the back of the roster, but he's going to need a couple of years, I think, before he could get in, you know, work up to the starting lineup or whatever. But I think there's stuff to work with there. Certainly he's got athletic traits. And you know, he's going to work his butt off. Awesome. All right. And now we will get into what we're going to do is we're going to pull out a, a prospect or two from all 14 Big Ten teams. So everybody gets touched. We'll try to do a little bit of a quick hitter here, two, three minutes. Continuing on with the team we are just talking about, we're doing these in alphabetical order. Who is one of your favorite guys from the Illinois Fighting Illini? Kirby Joseph. Kirby Joseph's the best guy coming in from Illinois and one of the better prospects Illinois sent to the NFL in recent years. Very smart player. He makes good reads in center field. You can trust him as a center fielder. The ball skills are awesome. You know, last year he had five interceptions, seven passes defense. He's a reliable tackler. He's super rangy, and he plays special teams as well. The, the thing that you're concerned about, going back to the, the Kramer thing, it's just we're going to the other side of the ball. He's a little bit skinny. He lacks play strength, and he can get run over by power in the open field. But as far as a, a free safety that you can trust, you know, back there, um, and also a guy who's building up, you know, he only played, he only started 12 games. You know, th- this past season was his first year as a full-time starter, and he acquitted himself very well after being a special teamer earlier in his career. So I think if he gets more experience, he can add a little bit more play strength. We've seen the, the ball hawking traits and the ball scales where I think he can be playable for a long time as an NFL free safety. My concern with uh, Kirby Joseph, and it, tell me if this is a concern for you at all, is what you had mentioned, the 12 games. Is it possible that he's kind of a flash in the pan? Could be, you know, but the the ball skills and the instincts that he showed and the range, those played last year, you know, and so sometimes it takes a guy a little bit longer to get into the lineup. One thing I'm encouraged about with him is, is the special teams utility. So I think early on, even if he doesn't crack the lineup on day one, you know that he's going to give you that. And then, but I, I do think between the ball skills, the range, and then the reliability, smart player, I, I think he can play long-term as a starter. Yeah, he was great on special teams, especially punt coverage last year. He was special. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Next up, the Indiana Hoosiers. I'm going to take a guess. Are we talking about a, a pass catcher of some sorts here? Oh, were, were you going to go Fry Fogel or, or Hendershot? That's what I thought, but who, who you got? I was actually going to go Micah McFadden. Okay. Uh, yeah, he's really, really good versus the run. I comp him to Tony Fields, the, the kid from West Virginia a couple of years ago. He in, in college, it was just zip, 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 zip. He's going to plug the gaps, and he can go outside the tackles as well. He's another guy that played special teams. He's going to give you a fabulous effort. The, the thing that concerns you about him is – for, for a guy who's only, you know, 6'1", 234, he's not a, a tremendous athlete, struggles yeah. in space a little bit, ending coverage. But as far as the run defense, he's spectacular. So the, the other stuff, you know, hopefully you get there or else you're going to have to pull him off the field on passing downs. It's always, I don't know, it's always amazing to me. It just seems like it happens linebacker more than any position where, again, like I, I understand measurables matter. Obviously there's a certain benchmark for strength and speed that you just have to have at, at, at in the, in the NFL. But when somebody's as productive as a guy like Michael McFadden at linebacker, at some point it's just pure instincts and football player. And, you know, I, I would hope that guy would get drafted because I would think the teams that miss out on him are going to wind, wind up regretting it. 1000%. Yeah. Between the special teams utility and the run defense, he's going to hang. Now, speaking of productivity and a lack thereof, Ty Freifogel had a horrible season last year, also didn't test out that well. But this is a guy, I he is such a gamer. I, I feel like there's got to be something there for an NFL team. Do you think he projects? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he and he got the combine invite. Um, he had a he had a seven two Raz. You know, I I comp him to Travis Fulgham. He had been you know multiple years. You know, they they peppered him with the ball. Um, it, it's just yeah, in this class it, at the top, it's not it's not as you don't have the sure things in the wide receiver class. But there is some depth to it. You know, I mean, like you guys know, in 2020, the NCAA waived the eligibility waiver. So last year's class had one third the declarees. This class has an excess amount of players. And at receiver, it's one of those positions where it's it's not top heavy, but it is deep. And that's my concern with Fry Fogel is, it, you know, in apples to apples comparison against some of these guys, he doesn't acquit himself very well, you, you know, coming off the struggles and then not being the upper, upper echelon athlete. All right, next up is the Iowa Hawkeyes. Well, you know, I got to go Linderbaum here. I, you know, I, I wanted to talk about Goodson, uh, but, uh, you know, Linder, you have to go with Linderbaum. Linderbaum, obviously, the, you, you guys know what the concerns are, you know, the, the arm length thing, and then, you know, you know the, his measurements as well. He's a little bit on the smaller side, but coming off the most dominant season ever graded by PFF for a center, and not only that, overall, he also had the best run blocking grade of any interior offensive lineman that PFF has ever graded in the F, in, in the FBS. I, I I love the kid. You know, I mean, he, he went to I. You know, Jeff, as you know, he he went to Iowa as a defensive lineman. They switch him to center. You know, going into the the bowl practices as a freshman, and after that, he just locks down the job, and it is just absolutely insane. It, it was like this sort of prodigy thing where they they put him in the pivot, and immediately it, it just like flashed, and and he was just immediately awesome. And, and goes into the league now where some people don't project them as well because they're concerned about the the, the length and, and the size thing. I, I don't know, man. I, I've seen that guy pin Tristan worse in, you know, in, the, in the heavyweight fights. I've seen him grapple with the best the Big Ten has to offer as far as the defensive lineman. And he has never been embarrassed, you know, so I he's does he have to go to his own zone blocking scheme? Yeah, probably. I, I think the only non blocking zone team that he's a fit for is the Ravens. At center, they have a center need as well, because just because it's so run heavy and they're so scrambling and all that sort of stuff. But one of the, you know, whether it's zone or whether it's the Ravens, one of those teams should absolutely prioritize Tyler Landerbaum. He's going to be awesome in the NFL. Do you think he'll go first round Thursday night? Man, I, I would have two months ago, I would have said it's a lock. Um, it's, the tide has been going against him a bit. I, I think if he does, it's going to be late. But but I think between you know whether it's between his range is a little bit wider than some of these other guys. I could see him going as early as like you know the Ravens pick for instance, and I could see him going as late as very very early second round. Gotcha. So his range it's almost like fifteen to you know forty or something like that. It's crazy to me, but obviously I'm biased. Um, do you you know Goodson? I, I think it was the right call for him to come out. I, I don't think him stand really would have picked very much up, but. I don't, I don't feel extremely confident he's going to get drafted. And I would think it would be because of the feast and famine, you know, type of film he's put out there. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, I, I do. Yeah. You know, you would have liked a better season, you know, this past season. we were talking about Fry Fogel, the struggles, his last season, it was unfortunate for Goodson last year. You know, he's not much of a tackle breaker. Obviously that's, you know, that's one of the weaknesses there. And last year, we were just talking about how Linderbaum had the best center season ever. The guards and the tackles outside of him, at least according to Scott Docterman and according to the eye test, Docterman said that it was the worst group of guards and tackles that Iowa had had in 25 years. The rest of the offensive line was poor. The quarterback play was poor. They didn't really have any receivers to make plays downfield, even if the quarterbacks could have got him the ball. So Goodson was a marked man. 
and, and again, he, he doesn't really break tackles, but very, very agile. The, the spin move obviously is, you know, his patented spin move. He's a very good receiver. And for a smaller back, he'll give you effort as a pass blocker. So I tend to think he's going to hang as, as a, as at least early on as a, as a pass blocking, or I'm sorry, as a, a, a pass down a running back. And then we'll see, you know, the, the utility after that, but um, he, you know, he, he should be in a zone blocking scheme as well at the next level, just like he was at at Iowa. And, and we'll see if he can work up from there. And I think Dane Belton, defensive back, he's going to go late in the draft. He'll be a steal for somebody. He's going to be an absolute solid, solid player at safety. 100%. All right. Next up, the Maryland Terrapins. Yeah, Maryland, another safety, Nick Cross, right? Um, and this is a guy who might have some untapped potential. We, we saw him come on late in his career. He did not start playing football until high school, but he's a fabulous athlete, the plus, plus, plus range. Um, and he, he's a ball hawk as well. Eight interceptions, 18 passes defense the last three years. He also plays special teams. Um, the, the thing that, that concerns you about him is, is the instincts right now. He can get fooled in coverage. The other thing is he's super duper explosive downhill, triggering downhill, north, south kind of a guy, not quite as fluid as far as the agility. So you can get see him get shaken in, in, in open space by receivers and man coverage or break it down with a running back in space as well. You know, he's he not always the best with that. But as far as, as a rangy guy that goes, sees the ball and goes down and gets it, um, he's one of the better safeties in this class, you know, in the first couple of days. A guy that I would like to ask you about, someone that we've talked about a lot <clears throat> over the last year on the podcast, he really broke out this past year, tight end Chigo Conquo. Uh, we used to say that guy is an absolute pro. I know he ran a pretty good 40, I believe, but other than that, I'm not sure he tested great. Do you see him projecting well to the NFL? Yeah, you know, I, I think he's going to go on day three. And, and, you know, with this tight end group, you're going to, you know, it's you're going to wait for a while. We're not, you know, Trey McBride's probably going to be the guy that breaks the seal, but then you're going to see this really quick run. And I expect, I expect him to be a part of the, the, the day three run. He he's, he's on the smaller side. He tested or he measured in uh six, two and a half, two forty three. but he did play a ton of inline at Maryland and he'll, he'll get after it as a blocker, but also the fluidity. Um, you mentioned the speed. He can get down the seam and make plays uh, very smooth pass catcher. So yeah, I, I do think he, he offers something to the NFL for sure. All right, next team up, getting back into the Big Ten West, Nebraska Cornhuskers. Yeah, for, for Nebraska, they had a couple guys you could go with. I went with Cam Taylor Britt for this one. Awesome frame. He's a very, very good athlete, and he's a former wide receiver that brings those ball skills to the catch point. He also, like you talk to the people around the Nebraska program, he's lauded as a team leader, you know, th that sort of a thing, gets raved about by teammates and coaches. He's a little bit stiff in his lower half. He's not super agile either, you know, sort of going back to the thing with Cross. Uh, Cam Taylor, he, he plays a little bit high, you know, in, in, in coverage, stuff like that. So you see the quick footed guys can get a little separation on him if they get the right step on him. That would be my concern with him, but he's a guy who's coming on for sure. And I expect him to go on day two. Um, yeah, that'll be, I mean, a high draft pick for Nebraska. They've, you know, they've gone a couple years without a high one. Um, another guy that, you know, there's kind of other people in this draft where I feel like fit under this category of will probably go later than they should. I don't know. I really like Jojo Doman. I feel like he is a heck of an athlete. Probably injury concerns is what pushes him down the list. But again, high character guy. I think he'll stick on a roster. Thousand percent. Yeah, he's 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 kind of kind of a linebacker in the Iowa vein. Right. And, I, you know, hopefully hopefully we get up to that stuff. <laughs> 
<laughs> what about Austin Allen? You look yeah. at the guy, um, obviously part of it was scheme, but it seems like maybe there's something holding him back. Great body, really tall, really athletic. What, where, what do you think about him? Do you think he projects the NFL or do you think, because he never quite seemed to reach his potential in college. I think that was well said. Yeah. I mean, I, I could, I could see a team taking the, the dart throw on him, you know, mid to late day three, probably round six or round seven, but he's got absolutely got the skill set to dream on, you know, so you could absolutely see someone doing that. He's almost six, eight, he's over 250 pounds and he tested the 80th percentile athletically. The light has not come on for him yet, but I, I would put that guy on my roster and see if I can get something out of him, especially in this tight end class where there's not the studs at the very, very high end. I wouldn't be taking McBride, you know, in, in you know, the top 50 picks or whatever. I would wait in this class until that that run starts. And if you don't get the guy that you want in that sort of aforementioned run I was talking about where you're going to see guys like, you know, Rucker, uh, Jake Ferguson, you know, to, to name a couple of big 10 guys. If, if you're a little bit lower than that, Sixth or seventh round, you want the dart throw. I think Allen would would make sense for that. All right, next team up, Northwestern Wildcats. Uh, do we have a prospect to talk about here? This one was tough. Um, I, I do, actually. Uh, one of my former boys at Kansas, Stephen Robinson Jr., I, I think he's probably the best one. Northwestern, does not, they're not sending a lot to the NFL this year. Uh, Stephen Robinson, I don't expect him to hang on, but he, he did flash earlier in his career at Kansas. He came on right after, I think he played a year with Steven Sims or it was right after that, but he early on in his career, he reminded me of Steven Sims. Sims is a guy who didn't get drafted in the NFL, but he, he ended up hanging on with Washington, smaller, not super athletic, but he can catch the ball. He, he's crafty on his routes. So he can create a little bit of separation. Robinson, the concern with him is, I mean, he's small, he's uh, 5'9", 181 and not a tremendous athlete. So he's, he definitely has a long road ahead of him. Uh, but he, in the same way that, that Sims, you know, hung on, at least Robinson got a shot. All right, next team up, Big Ten champions, Michigan Wolverines. Yeah, I mean, it's Aiden Hutchinson, right? I And and with Aiden Hutchinson, I, I want to talk more about Jacksonville, this Steve with Trayvon Walker, which I think is absolutely insane. For, for me, Hutchinson, you know, if, if you don't need a quarterback, Hutchinson is the guy in, in this class. I don't know how you could see any sort of chance oh. that he that he busts. He's coming off a historical season. He tested in the 99th plus percentile. Every part of his game is going to translate, and he has an immortal motor. Everyone around there raves about him on the field, his, his character in practice, his work ethic in the weight room. He's just a tempo uh, setter kind of a guy, so a culture changer type of guy. Oh, so I, I love Aiden Hutchinson. My concern with Aiden, he made such a big jump from the previous year to this last season. And uh, yes, great athlete, we know, but ha has he topped out? I know his his top out, even if he's topped out, it still probably projects to be a pretty good NFL player. But how much can he really improve from where he's at right now? Yeah, it, it, yes, I, I, I agree with that. That is your concern. Yeah, right now he's a fabulous, fabulous, fabulous player. Um, you know, th there is that concern, although, you know, people thought the same thing about, you know, guys like Watt. You know, I, I think even, you know, some people had that supposition about some of the Bosa's. Um, I, you know, he, his skill set is going to play in the NFL and going back to the thing about athleticism at edge, what, what, what he does so well, it's he, he gets on the offensive tackles really quick and he's super duper agile. He's one of the most agile edges in this class. And then he also has probably the deepest grab bags of pass rushing moves. So he's just throwing stuff at, at the guys constantly. 
between the agility and his ability to throw different stuff at offensive tackles, he's, he's really a puzzle coming off that edge. Wow. I, I, you know, not that I didn't think you would, you would be impressed with Aiden Hutchinson. I guess I am a little bit, a little bit surprised on, on how much you like him. And, and let me explain myself. And I think I'm kind of talking for all three of us. We all think Aiden Hutchinson is phenomenal. Like he, like we started talking about the podcast week one of this year. It was like, he was on Springs right from the get go. But there, there is a lot of weight that comes with being the number one overall draft pick. And it is hard, you know, like you really got to start producing sacks as an edge rusher if, if you're taking number one overall. And I know this is probably like a dirty sin, but a lot of people compare them to either of the Bosa brothers, you know, like, and I guess I would ask anybody is if, if he's as good as Nick Bosa, is that worth a number one overall draft pick? Cause that that's a really good NFL defensive end. Yeah. In, in this class, I, I, I think it might be, you know, again, especially if you don't need the, the quarterback, I, I think that's some of it, you know, I mean, like in a, in a, you know, for instance, if he'd come out in the last class, he, he couldn't have, cause he was coming off the injury, you know, the, the injury, whatever. But like, if, if this same player was in the, the last class, it, it still would have been Lawrence at the top. It still would have been Zach Wells. And I mean, he wouldn't have been going, you know, where, where he's going to end up going on Thursday night. So in, in terms of that, I agree, but just, you know, apples to apples with, with these other prospects in this class, he's probably the surest bet. And then real quick, we'll move on, but is Dax Hill worth a first round draft pick to you? Not to me. You know, th- there's a couple other safeties that I like more than him. He's a nickel defender who's super duper athletic. You know, the, the, you can't argue with that at all. Um, but there's just a couple other safeties that I would put ahead of them, in, including, a, you know, a, a primary nickel defender that I like more, Jalen Petrie from Baylor. All right, moving on to the rivals, Michigan State Spartans. Yeah, Kenny Walker, right? Um, Kenny, For me, Kenny Walker is RB2, but boy, is he close to Brees Hall. Uh, I don't know how you could not be impressed with what Kenneth Walker did last year. The only reason I drop him below Brees, it's just because of the lack of passing down utility. But Kenneth Walker's a guy who makes business decisions and pass blocking. You don't want to do it. Um, and, and not really a fluid receiver. You know, he's not natural with that. But as far as just pure rushing, he's the best runner in this class. Okay. It's, it is not even close. Okay. He, yeah, so- I mean, he's just an absolute jukebox. He's really hard to get your hands on. And even when you, you do get your hands on him, it's basically impossible to square that guy up. So, you know, like I was mentioning before, he he finished number two in the nation in, in broken tackles, but certainly number one for running backs. Uh, just piles those up. And I, a couple of days ago, I don't know if you guys saw this on Twitter. I, I, when I watch Kenny Walker run, I hear that Benny Hill song in my head, you know, the, the yakety sacks or whatever. Yeah. So I I had to put a video up of one of his plays where he's just making people silly and then cutting back the other, you know, the other way around. He could do that stuff. He, he is such a fun guy to watch. I would have him RB one if I could trust him on, on third downs, but the running man, is he special. So I know I bring my biases to the table with this, um, with Brees Hall being a clone. Okay. Uh, but like to me, um, oh, now I'm having a brain fart. The, the Chicago bear, uh, Matt Forte. Uh, no, Montgomery. Okay. Yeah. I, I guess I don't think Brees Hall is any better than David Montgomery. I think they're very similar running backs. And I, to me, that just isn't special enough at the NFL to warrant a first round draft pick or being the number one running back. Whereas, as you kind of already mentioned, like Kenny Walker just has, I don't, I think he is special. Like even for other running backs and other drafts special, he will make people miss. He will make any offense he's a part of 
be more explosive. I, 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 I don't know. I'm just surprised when anybody, including you, I'm sorry, has, has him behind, behind Brees Hall. Yeah. It's just the thing of going into the, the passing league, you know, Brees Hall, he, he's got more, way more utility on, on passing downs. He, he does pass block and he, he's a solid receiver as well. Who doesn't drop the ball? You can give him volume there. The, the, the thing that I see where he's above Montgomery is athletically he's he Brees Hall has more juice than, than Montgomery. I, I do see some of the similarities, but I that's, I guess, why I'd have him a little bit higher. But again, to, to your point, Kenny Walker is a better pure rusher, absolutely, than Brees Hall. Well, never pro- provided enough juice to beat the Hawkeyes on the field. That's, that's <laughs> for sure. Um, Amen, next, <laughs> next up, Minnesota Golden Gophers. This is a very intriguing uh, class for the Gophers this year. Uh, I mean, we is it potential that we could see two gophers taken in the first round. I know that's not probably going to happen, but you sound pretty confident that Boye Mafe will go in the first round. Do you think Daniel Falele has a chance to go in the first round as well? I don't, although I, I guess I wouldn't be stunned, stunned, just because like with Daniel Falele, it's like you're looking at something that you've never seen before. He's like the mountain from Game of Thrones. Like I, I went to his, his combine podium uh, session and we were joking to the, the media that was standing around, like, is the podium going to hold Daniel Falele? And, th- and then he sort of comes out, you hear him coming from, you know, from a little bit away. He's just a monstrous person. There's this, there's this story from IMG Academy when he first arrived there that, that practice stopped and they, they all stopped and watched him walk in. And Evan Neal turned to the coach next to him and said, that's the, that's the first time I've seen someone bigger than me. Falele, the, the, the issue for him didn't test as well. And then the, the other thing, he's got the balance issues on, on, you know, out on the edge there. You saw this manifest, well, both on tape, but also at the senior bowl where the smaller, quicker guys could just sort of run around him. There, there's things that we can do in the NFL to help him out, you know, taking sort of the wide step out in pass pro, using the length and the size more as the impediment, you know, where you got to run all the way around the block of, you know, the, you know, in, in New York city to get around the guy, there's stuff you can do there. But as far as a North South load in the run game, we never seen nothing like that guy before he destroys defensive ends. Not only that, if you break off a long run, 30 yards downfield, you'll sometimes see Daniel Falele as the lead F and envoy 30 yards downfield <laughs> where it's like, Oh my God, it's a, it's a six, nine, 400 pound freak. Who's just going and blasting defensive backs down there. Um, I, I like them a lot. The only thing you're concerned about is the balance things. And then, you know, the lack of upper, upper tier athleticism, but of course the guy's six, nine, 400 pounds. So, and I got to think he is just a straight right tackle in the NFL. Yes. There's no other position. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Real, real quick. What about blaze Andrews? The guy was such a producer, pretty versatile player. I know he didn't test great. Do you think he projects to the, the NFL? Do you see him getting drafted? I guess. I do. Yeah. By, by his own blocking team, I think. Yeah. I, you know, th- there are some limitations there, but I, I think he moves around decent, you know, on the field. So I, you know, and as far as a guy that can go and get to the spot, the, you know, the shoulder of, of his target on, on the outside, you know, that sort of stuff. I, I, I think he's going to hang and I think he could be a, you know, he's going to be a late day three pick. All right. Five more teams to go. Next up the Ohio state wide receivers, excuse me, the Ohio state <laughs> Buckeyes. Yeah. So, you know, I, I tipped this off earlier. Chris Olave is, would be my favorite prospect from Ohio state. I like him a little bit more than Garrett Wilson, just a decorated kid. I mean, you know, it, that's a part of the reason he gets nitpicked so much is he's, he has been the guy going back years and years, you know, was for fields, you know, before, before now, 
Uh, love the guy as a route runner. He is so damn polished. It is impossible to stay with him. He, he's athletic, but he, man, is he crafty. You know, the footwork is awesome, but he always keeps the defensive back office. He's like a um, like a pitcher who has six pitches and you just can never sit dead red on something. You can you can see the gears churning in the defensive back's head. And, and it, he, you know, this is sort of like he's a more athletic, smaller version of like Rashad Bateman in this way of like constantly keeping the guy off where you'll see defensive backs actually pirouette and turn around on the field because they get so backed up with him. I, I like Olave a lot. I, the concerns that some other people have with him, I don't have quite as much. He's my wide receiver, too. I rank him right behind Drake London. I mean, I just don't recall any wide receiver in the Big Ten that was as open as often as Olave. Like, I, I've never seen anything like it. Obviously, the overall talent, play design, that stuff plays into it. But Chris Olave has got to be a big part of that as well. A thousand percent. Yeah. And and you want you want empirical proof of, you know, like of, of, of qualitatively of where he is. He was sitting on the top for the last three years of one of the most stacked receiving cores we've seen in modern college football. They had four effing first round picks in that wide receiver room. Wasn't just Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's going to be wide receiver one next year. We're going to be talking about him plenty. And then Jamison Williams, who might be wide receiver one in this class, had to leave Columbus to get targets. It's crazy. It's insane. Never seen anything like it. All right, next up, Penn State, Nittany Lions. Yeah, for the Nittany Lions, I went with uh, Arnold Abedicetti, uh, the, the edge rusher. You could also go with Jahan Dotson here, you know, a couple of kids like that. But I, I like Abedicetti a lot because he he sort of reminds me of a tarantula off the edge with how long his levers are. You know, he's a high-cut kid with extremely long arms, keeps offensive tackles off of him, creates the separation, and then can shed. When he does, he chews up grass really quick, like, you know, between getting to the quarterback or when he, he sheds and he gets downhill to go after the runner. He, he gets there much faster than you think because it's like three steps and all of a sudden he's on the doorstep. Quarterbacks don't see him coming. He, he's a crafty kid who's ascending. You know, he just transferred up to Penn State this past season and he proved the concept that he could play at, at the Big Ten level. So I, I like him a lot. I think he's probably going to go early second round, but he's he's one of those guys that could sneak into the end of the first round, perhaps at the expense of, you know, what a couple of Big Ten guys, whether it's Ojabo or whether it's Boye Mafe. So real quick, where do you think Dotson will go? Like, give me a somewhere around number. I would say his range is going to be like 25 to 40. He, his okay. band is a little bit smaller. I, I think it's going to be somewhere in there. And real quick, Jesse Lucchetta ran a real slow 44.89. Did he run himself out of this draft? If he didn't, I mean, he's he's going to be – it's going to be late third round. I, I got him way down there. You know, and he's sort of – you're wondering, is he a linebacker? Is he an edge, you know, between there? Yeah, I, not the biggest fan of his. But he got the combine invite. But, I mean, on my list, I got him the 25th edge rusher behind, like, guys like Alex Wright from UAB, Zachary Carter from Florida. Yeah, he, he down there a little bit. Personal opinion, I, I, I just think Dotson's going to wind up going too late. Uh, High-character guy. I know maybe there wasn't some consistency issues. I think that was more on quarterback play. Here's what I know. Big moments, dude came up with big plays. That's the type of guy I want on my football team. I, I just really like Dotson. Great hands, too. And Yes, yeah, hands are amazing. It maybe the only one might be the best hands in my class. Assuming the next guy we're going to talk about right here in just a second. Yeah, so next up, the Purdue Boilermakers. Well, I... We can talk about David Bell. I, I was going to talk about Carl Loftus. I, you know, just qualitatively, I think Carl Loftus is, is the best one 
a little bit better athlete than people give him credit for. Maybe not with the speed, but the rest of it, you know, he, he's a little bit better prospect than our boy Epinesa from a couple of years ago, but similar in that he's a power edge that has some scheme versatility to him. Probably going to go late first round. Um, you know, we'll see if, you know, Epinesa, obviously, you know, that people thought he was going to go in the late first round. That didn't end up happening. As, as far as Bell, I loved watching Bell at, at Purdue. You know, I like, he, he's a, he's, he's a very crafty receiver himself. And he's got really good ball skills. He also knows how to use his frame to pin the defensive back behind him. The thing you're concerned about, as you guys know, it's the athletic profile. We were concerned about that heading into the pre-draft process. And unfortunately, our worst fears were realized there. He ended up, you know, after the, the pro day, I think he got into the low 40th percentile with his, his athletic composite. But you're just wondering, can he create enough separation? Because he didn't create a ton in, in the Big Ten. But, you know, anything that where, you know, the, he, he gets his hands on the ball, he's going to catch it. So I, I'm, I'm hoping he turns into a wide receiver, too. For me, that's a guy that I'm he's just so good at what he does. I'm not even really that concerned about where he tests. He's just a football player. He, I, I do think he's going to hang around for a while. It, it's just, can he become, is he going to be good enough on the depth chart to get up to wide receiver too? I can't see him ever ascending to be like the lead guy in an NFL offense. I do think he could be a really solid number two guy though. You know, particularly if you have the other guys that can, you know, uh, test deep and stuff like that. Bell should be a pretty good intermediate uh, possession type receiver in the NFL. Um, and then switch back to Carl Aftis real quick. Uh, I, from what I can kind of glean from what you've written and other stuff I've seen is just maybe not the best edge rusher, but darn good. Maybe not the best guy versus the run, but darn good. Kind of a, you know, jack of all trades. Is that fair with the breakdown I, of Carlathis? Yes, I, I think so. Yeah. And, and you still have, you still have untapped potential there. I think too, that people need to understand, because obviously he came over from Greece. He didn't start playing the sport as early as a lot of these different kids. He's a power edge that's going to, you know, he's going to set the edge there against the run. Um, and he's also going to give you relentless effort as a pass rusher. Still working on the, the pass rushing moves. You know, the, there's still stuff that, that coaching is going to help him out with. But he, he brings a very intriguing skill set to the NFL. All right. Second to last team, Rutgers, Scarlet Knights. Rutgers actually has a couple guys that I, it's surprising, like a couple guys that I actually like that. The, the guy that I really like is Bo Melton. Bo Melton is one of my favorite sleepers in the entire class. Wow. I just, I just think if Bo Melton had been on Oklahoma or Alabama, like, okay, for instance, if, if you switched him with John Mechie, I think he would have absolutely destroyed I, there's no chance he wouldn't have been a day two pick. I think if he, if he had just switched spots with, with John Mechie and played at Alabama, uh, footwork off the line is spectacular. His releases are spectacular. Really difficult to stay with Bo Melton. He was consistently open in college. It's just they didn't really have a quarterback to get on the ball, even when the quarterbacks were getting protection behind that crappy offensive line. And then Bo Melton runs a 4-3-4. One thing that I look at, you know, not so much the counting stats, because the counting stats can lead you astray. What's more predictive of NFL success, it's the market share. You go back the last three years, Bo Melton was the leading receiver of Rutgers. The last two years, he more than doubled up the next highest guy. I, I don't know, man. If if he had, had if he was playing with good uh, surrounding talent in college, that guy would have been known as, as a national superstar at this point. And how, how is his measurables? He measured in at 5'11", 190. Um, 92nd percentile athlete with that 4'3", 4. I, I kind of think of him as a, a potentially like a John Brown type in the NFL, you know, a guy that can start for a while and, and can help can win downfield. Um, and then he also has the run after the catch utility. 
So we talked about Melton a lot, and we basically said what you were saying is if he was in a better scheme with maybe better offensive line, better quarterback, he would have been a high producer. We love the guy. Um, and shout out for saying it, Rutgers. You know, well, easy. So, yeah. so that so now he's got a character, you know, a plus for me. And, and certainly Rutgers lacked in some areas. But the thing that sticks out to me about Rutgers is you got Melton, who was ninth overall in the combine in the 40. You got Pacheco, who was the second fastest running back. But it doesn't stop there. They did. They do have a lot of talent. So my question for you, you look down the line, Trey Avery, uh, Fadakasi. I loved him. Tyshawn Fogg at linebacker. You've got Julius Turner, Tyreek <laughs> Maddox, Williams. Um, of all these guys, Drew Singleton's another one you can I mean, throw dude, that out is there. A lot of talent. It is a lot of talent. So Mike Tverdov is another one. So of the of the guys not named Melton and Pacheco, who do you think is the best projecting to the NFL? Well, I'm not for with those guys. I'm not sure if any of those guys will hang. They, you know, a lot of UDFAs there. I think the other guy that I'm intrigued by is Pacheco because because of the speed and because he can. I know he can catch the ball. the The only concern that I had with him on on his evaluation was because he played behind such a crappy offensive line, you started to see some bad habits crop up where he would rush to the line because he was afraid of getting hit in the backfield when he didn't get hit in the backfield. So even when it was blocked well, the tempo was just a little bit off. But I think he does have a utility for the NFL. Isaiah Pacheco has all the earmarks of the dude that you don't hear about for a year and a half. And then some team has three injuries at running back and they snag him from the waiver wire and he goes for 140 yards of the next game. Thousand percent. Yep. Yeah, a thousand percent. He, he's a guy you, you just like to see him behind a good offensive line, you know, and then see what can happen after that. The, the instincts of it aren't quite there yet, but you have to bake in the context of the situation that he was in. Well, we'll see when he gets to the next level. He ran well enough and tested well enough that I do think he's going to get drafted. So it's like he's got the chip in the chair and he, and he has the NFL athleticism as well. All right. Last team up, the Wisconsin Badgers. For the Badgers, Leo Chanel. Um, you know, and, and he's a guy that might in the second round might be a fit for the local Packers. You know, they might be sniffing around linebackers. Ch- Chanel's a really specific kind of a player. Um, he's like this muscled up, uh, super duper explosive north south athlete. Um, awesome on the pass rush and awesome against the run. He's just a hunter. You know, he, you 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 have to send him downhill as on the attack. That's when he's awesome. What he's not so good at is moving side to side. The, the east to west thing is harder for him, which is why he struggles in coverage. But as long as you're just triggering him downhill, just Leo, you are going to attack all game long. On passing downs, we're going to be blitzing you off the edge. On running downs, you go and get the running back. Th- that's all I want him doing. And with that stuff, he is awesome. And he, he tested really well. I think he ducked the, 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 um, uh, the agility drills, but the rest of it, spectacular 40, spectacular jumps tested in the 99th percentile with those size adjusted reminds me a little bit of Jordan Brooks a couple of years ago, the, the guy that was the surprise first rounder with, with the Seahawks where at Texas tech, he was just the tackle machine. And then on passing downs, you send him because then he gets a little bit clunky with the, you know, his, his shoes fill up with cement when he's in coverage, you, you got to hide him there if you're going to do that. But I don't, with those guys, I just be sending them on the blitz every passing down. Yeah, I was concerned what you'd say about Leo and pass coverage and also a little bit T-Rexy on the arms there. I think yeah. he he had not the shortest, but one of the shortest arm length measurements amongst the linebackers. So that concerns me, too. For sure. Yeah. You know, and, and we'll see if that manifests at all, you know, the tack, the, the lesser tackling radius in the NFL. But uh, yeah, the, the downhill north south utility with him on the attack, it's it is pretty impressive. I mean, again. 
put on the film. You're, you're not getting to the second quarter before he's flashed something in, in every game. And, and just the consistency and stayed healthy. I, I mean, there is room for an attacking linebacker in every NFL system. I, you know, not that I'm an expert, but a guy like that, I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting to see. And I don't know if you heard, by the way, but Barry Alvarez's grandson is actually in this draft class, too, for the Wisconsin Badgers. Oh, Fer- Ferguson, right? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. 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 Uh, Jake, Fer- he's one of my favorite, like, under the radar tight ends. And it's I mean, you guys are probably going to be with me on this. I'm surprised he's under the radar because we've seen that guy going back years and his utility is a two way. You know, so many tight ends in this class, they're not actually tight ends. They're just big slot receivers. You know, like, for instance, like Isaiah Likely. Uh, Jake Ferguson's a guy that we've seen going back years playing in line at Wisconsin, blocking these ridiculous edge rushers in the Big Ten. Gives you effort, is one of the better block blocking tight ends. But he's also super-duper smooth as a receiver. He's one of those guys that's, that spears it outside of his frame and can keep trucking upfield. The, the one thing with him, he lacks the very high, high-end speed. But everything else with it, I, I I like Jake Ferguson a lot. I think he's going to be a steal. I would be shocked if that dude is not in the league a minimum of six years, if not ten. Like it's just it just is written in stone. I swear. Thousand percent. Thousand percent. All right, that gets through the Big Ten. So last question we got here is just kind of you can have fun with it. But any big surprises you think on on Thursday night or something that maybe you think you're seeing that other people aren't? Um. Well, I, the quarterbacks, you know, I, I think Malik Willis is going to go higher than people think. I, I think the quarterbacks are large are going to go higher. Um, but I think Malik Willis is going to go in the top six and he might go in the top two. Um, and then I think Matt Corral is also going to go higher than, than people are anticipating. I, I, I look around at a lot of mock drafts and I don't see Matt Corral in them. I'm, I'm very confident that Matt Corral will be going in the first round. Okay, and so- the, the, the other thing I'd say about, about the draft that I'll predict, I, I think there's going to be a ton of trades. You know, we've already seen a bunch of trades, but the trade market has been extremely, extremely active. And there's two things to keep an eye on here. We talked about how at the very, very top, there wasn't as many sure things at the very, very top. But evaluators consider rounds three to five in this class to be the power alley of it, going back to the depth of the class. So I think you'll see teams trying to trade down, get those middle round picks. The other thing I th- think you'll see is teams trying to trade for the, the first round pick next year or, or, you know, or any picks in 2023, because that class is it's deeper than this one, probably more certainly more talented at the top. And you also have the thing of having more declarees because of the 2020 waiver thing. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot then. Who takes Malik Willis where? Who takes Matt Corral where? Um, well, my last mock draft, I had, I had the Lions taking Malik Willis at two, and I had the Panthers taking Matt Corral at six. Someone's going to have to get in Matt Rule's ear maybe and talk him out of Kenny Pickett. It, it seems like Carolina is trying to potentially trade back because they don't have the second, third, and maybe even fourth round, or maybe fourth is when they get back into it, but they don't have any day two picks. Maybe they want to trade down, pick up some of those middle round picks and still get Kenny Pickett. But if they're stuck where they are, um, I, I think they're going to be sniffing around Matt Corral. You've heard reports that they have three uh, first round grades on quarterbacks, Corral and Willis um, beyond Kenny Pickett. So th- that's something to look out for. And then with the Lions, there has just been an eerie silence with them, um, you know, as, f- as far as who their actual target is. You've seen even the most plugged in beat reporters there switching from guy to guy to guy to guy. It's like every single week there's a flavor of the week. The Detroit management has done a very good job of plugging all leaks and making sure that we are off the scent of who their actual target is. I assume that they have already decided, just we have no idea 
it reminds me a lot of San Francisco last year with Trey Lance, you know, how careful they were with keeping us off the center of their target. So I just have a hunch with that one. We'll, we'll see if it ends up playing out, but that, that's my hunch. As far as the playoffs are concerned, there's been a lot of eerie silence from the Detroit Lions as well for quite some time. <laughs> I feel bad for Malik. Sure Harris, so that's where he goes. Um, and then one last thing with Kenny Pickett, we'll let you go, but it's just crazy to me, you know, and this could, this could tie into uh, Nebraska fans, you know, with Whipple as offensive coordinator uh, yeah. leaving to go to Nebraska after. And it's just like Kenny Pickett was the, the, the model of pedestrian, his sophomore and junior, you know, the previous years. And then he just explodes his senior year. Like, do you think it was just all that time finally in the Whipple offense where it, it clicked because I, your athletic ability doesn't change that much from, you know, four years to your fifth year. It's just crazy to me. Dude, we are so on the same page with this. Like, you know, you have a job like I do and you go on like the radio spots and it's like a really quick one. So that you get asked a lot of similar questions. And one you always get is, are you concerned about Kenny Pickett's hand size? And the answer is actually is no, I'm, I'm actually not, you know, he, cause he did play outside in Pittsburgh. I'm not super concerned about his arm strength. It's average to slightly above average for the NFL. In my opinion, what, I, what is the actual problem with Kenny Pickett's evaluation? What's actually concerning is exactly what you just said. He was a Pittsburgh for four years before this past year was a starter for three plus years, did absolutely nothing. If he had declared for the last draft, he would have been a sixth or seventh round pick. Wouldn't have even surprised surprise me if he was a UDFA then he comes back this year people don't realize how effing stacked that team was they had one of the best receiving cores in the nation with one of the the singular best receiving talents in the nation Jordan Addison who we'll be we'll be talking about next year they had two good running backs they had two good uh receiving tight ends um and then they they threw a bunch you guys are they did the sideline to sideline passing thing where Addison was getting all these you know free receptions and then giving Kenny Pickett free yak yards there was something like 55, 56% of Kenny Pickett's passes have come within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage the last couple of years. That is a really, really high number. The, the, the biggest red flag on Brett Hundley's evaluation when he was coming out of UCLA was it was at like 62 or 63% of his passes were within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. Kenny Pickett's really, really close to that. He doesn't win outside of the pocket a ton. The other thing is, I don't think people understand beyond that, the, how, how lucky that he got with the context of the schedule that Pitt had last year. The ACC was weighed down. They played nobody in the non-con. I, I went through and aggregated the SP plus defensive rankings of every defense that Kenny Pickett played last season. The average, average defense he faced was number 88 SP plus. So he was basically facing like a Mountain West schedule of defenses when he was surrounded by this insane supporting cast in this system where he got all these free completion sideline to sideline and then got all the free yak yardage. That's what concerns me about Kenny Pickett. You want to hear my prediction for Thursday night? Let's hear it. Thor will not be invited to the Kenny Pickett draft party. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, man, you got to be truthful, right? You got to call it like you see it. You do. All right, Thor, that was fantastic. I know we're out of time. You want to plug yourself one more time, please? Yeah, you can find my work on NBC Sports Edge. You can find me on Twitter at ThorKU. I am Jeffrey DeGree. I'm Big Kurt. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.